Good morning, this is David Bennett, and this is Bitcoin And, a podcast where I try to find the edge effect between the worlds of Bitcoin, gaming, permaculture, podcasting, and education to gain a better understanding of all. Edge effect is a concept from ecology describing a greater diversity of life where the edges of two systems overlap. While species from either system can be found at the edge, it is important to note there are species in the overlap that exist in neither system, and that is what I seek to uncover. So join me in discovering the variety of things being created as Bitcoin rubs up against other systems. It is 5.48 a.m. Central Daylight Time. It is uh, the 24th of September, 2021, and this is episode 483 of Bitcoin. And our boy Joe Rogers just got screwed. He just got hammered by Bank of America. At underscore Joe Rogers, if you're not following him, do so. Good cat, good Bitcoiner. His uh, tweet, his small tweet thread here says, I am traveling and Bank of America just canceled my account with no prior communication. I am traveling and have no access to my primary banking account funds. Literally stranded. They are ma- mailing me a check in five days. Go fuck yourself. You're wrecked. Bitcoin destroys you. <clears throat> I have been a customer for 14 years. Bank of America is holding my money ransom. They won't let me withdraw from ATM or a bank branch. You hear stories about being canceled, and then it happens to you. They will not provide any information about the closure. No reason, and I think we know why. A target is on my, parentheses, our back. Yeah. Yeah. Joe Rogers has got his, his entire ability to be able to transact via his bank as a banking instrument, which means his debit card, his ability to walk in and, you know, into a branch and talk to somebody. He is persona non grata at Bank of of America. What do you think about that shit? Here's what, you know, what, what you want to do? You know how I've been screaming about getting out of the cities? Get out of your bank. Now, by the way, I had just recorded an entire 15 minutes of this. And apparently I hit the wrong record button and nothing, nothing, nothing of that got recorded. I'm so, I'm very pissed. Look, if you're in a big city like Houston, Dallas, New York, LA, you know, like, I don't know, Minneapolis or something like that, get the fuck out. They're prisons. They are prisons. I don't think that they were as, as essentially meant to be built as prisons. You know, when they were being, with, I think it was just human action was just causing these cities to become the cities that they are because humans are humans and humans are going to, they're going to, we're going to human, right? <clears throat> However, it has allowed people in power and people with influence and people with vast amounts of wealth to turn them into, into, these cities into prisons, whether or not you love New York city. Okay. Whether or not you love Dallas, whether or not you're, you like, you know, you love LA like the song, right? It does not matter if you love it. What you love for it is the culture. You need to leave it. You need to get the fuck out. You need to go to the urban rural fringe, or you need to get the hell out into the country as soon as humanly possible. Now that's not for everybody. Okay, even if you have the means and, 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 and understand that this is happening, 
Not all people are going to want to live, leave their beloved cities. I get that. There's a culture there. There's a history there. You can feel the, you know, the heartbeat of it. I mean, I've only been to New York City one time, and it took me about 15 minutes in a cab ride to the hotel to figure out that it's not a city. It's an organism, and it has a heartbeat. Okay? It was not designed. You can't design something like New York City. It just happens through human action, right? There's a line from one of my favorite bands talking about New York. My foot, my feet catch pulse. And I never understood what the hell that meant. But what it means is being able to put your feet, plant them into, the, into a city, and somehow or another be able to feel the culture, understand that you're not dealing with just a normal city. right? You're dealing with something like London. You're dealing with something like New York City. You're dealing with ancient fucking history. So I get the fact that you may not want to get the hell out. Okay. But if you can, you need to get the hell out. But like beyond that, if you can't, what you can do is you can get your money into a smaller bank. Do not let what happened to Joe Rogers and bank and what bank of America did to Joe Rogers will happen to you eventually, whether you're a Bitcoiner or not. Because that social credit scoring bullshit is coming our way. And the only way that we can get out of it is, well, one of the only tools that we have to be able to get out of it is to not put our money in the places that are going to be captured first, like Bank of America. You want a small branch bank. You want a federal credit union. Like in my neck of the woods, I got Happy State Bank. I got the Teachers Federal Credit Union. I got Texas Tech Federal Credit Union. And I could be... I can be a part of Happy State Bank. I can be a part of uh, the Texas Tech Federal Credit Union. And the reason I can do Texas Tech Federal Credit Union is that I used to work for, for Texas Tech and I got a bank account there. And once you have a bank account there, you always have a bank account there unless you purposely close it, whether you work for tech or not. But you need to get your shit out of the big banks, okay? That may mean that you may not have access to the greatest financial tools in the world, but at least you won't be in Bangladesh and have your credit card shut down because all of a sudden they find out that you were doing business with, you know, River Financial or Swan Bitcoin or something like that. I'm telling you, we, you, you just got to do it. You just got to do it. Now, <clears throat> what else? <clears throat> we got grants out of BitMEX Research. Let's just go ahead and tell you who, who the new two guys are. BitMEX is delighted to announce two new grantees on our No Strings Attached Bitcoin Developer Grant Program. Renee Pickart will focus <clears throat> on the Lightning Network, aiming to improve the reliability of the payment process and minimum cost flow solvers for optimal payment flows, aka Pickard Payments, which he intends to implement as a library. Chris Coverdale will focus on building an implementation of the Stratum V2 Bitcoin mining pool protocol. So BitMEX research, uh, well, actually, I guess, yeah, yeah well, BitMEX <clears throat> is doing it. BitMEX has been one of the very few exchanges that have been Bitcoin, a, a real Bitcoin champion. Yeah, I know. I get it. 100x leverage, David. Yeah, I know. They're not forcing me to use their shit, and they're not forcing me to take leverage. If you want to do a 100x leverage trade with Dogecoin back in the day when you could do such a thing, that was your business. Uh, nobody forced me to do a damn thing out of BitMEX. And Arthur Hayes has been one of the better Bitcoiners out there. 
If you don't understand that, you need to go back and look in the history of BitMEX and see what Arthur Hayes and the rest of the BitMEX crew have been doing for Bitcoin for like, I think like right around a decade. Probably not exactly that long, but getting damn close. Now, unless you've been living under a rock, there's been some Twitter news. Let's get into it from Bitcoin Magazine. Jack Dorsey's Twitter rolls out Bitcoin lightning tips for iOS users. Really? I don't have it. I got iOS and I'm not seeing anything that represents a way for me to tip somebody through Twitter, but maybe I just need to reset my phone or, you know, turn it off and turn it back on. You know, the way we fix Solana. Thursday, Twitter has officially enabled third-party Bitcoin tipping services such as Strike through iOS users' profiles on their platform. <clears throat> the new feature will have the ability to link both Bitcoin and Lightning Network addresses. The company told Reuters on a press call that they hope to roll out the feature for Android in the coming weeks. The feature is presumed to be comp uh, compatible with Strike, Cash App, Moon, and other third-party Bitcoin payment solutions. The service is also said to support Square's forthcoming hardware wallet. Users will likely be able to send funds from any Bitcoin address, but must receive funds through the Strike API. Twitter stated that they were not in the flow of funds and would not be taking commission on the payments. A video was released on Thursday of Jack Mallers demonstrating the service with the firm's integration of the Strike API. In the video, Mallers sent Bitcoin from Chicago to El Salvador via Twitter. Most payment solutions for the tipping feature will depend on the services available in ge users' geographic locations. The exception to this will be Bitcoin and Lightning tips, which will be available to users worldwide, as Bitcoin functions independent of location. Twitter product team member Esther Crawford told Reuters, this is gr a great opportunity for us to choose global, barrier-less options, and Bitcoin represents one of the best options. We know not everyone around the world transacts with Bitcoin yet, but we think it's one of the better solutions. The announcement didn't specify whether the feature would become available for desktop interfaces as well. The news comes just week, a week or weeks after Twitter product lead Kayvon Bakepore confirmed rumors circulating that the company would soon launch a Bitcoin lightning tipping service. The Bitcoin developments at Twitter followed through on promises CEO Jack Dorsey made in July when he impl implied that Bitcoin would be enabled in the application's tip jar services. Sorry, <clears throat> the, uh, he suggested also that Bitcoin could be used for super follows, commerce, and subscriptions. Jack Dorsey has doubled down on his interest in all things Bitcoin this year, including increasing Square's Bitcoin holdings while developing a hardware wallet, peer-to-peer -peer exchange, dabbling in Bitcoin mining, and teasing Blue Sky, an open and decentralized standard for social media. So yeah, um, I, <laughs> I saw the video with Jack Mallers literally seconds after it dropped. Uh, it was uh, Michael Saylor's tweet. And then he, I guess he, I don't know. Michael Saylor had a tweet. It had the video in it. I was watching the video and then I was like, holy shit, man. Jack Maller is just, just, he can't, he, the, the boy wonder can't be stopped. Right. And then I went back to retweet it and the, and Michael Saylor apparently had deleted the damn tweet. I don't know, man. So it took a couple of more minutes before he retweeted it again. And by that time, the news was spreading like wildfire. If you don't, if you hadn't understood or hadn't heard that this has happened, it's okay. I get it. maybe, 
maybe you're just waking up to it. Maybe you were partying. I don't know. It doesn't matter. But um, basically what happened is that uh, Western Union just got thrown over a cliff and they're not going to survive the fall. There was no, there is no reason uh, to use Western Union anymore. And uh, as uh, Jack Mallers says, or I don't know if the meme is going to catch fire or not, but the potential meme from now on is pawn to E4. <laughs> he said that in the video. And you know, Bitcoin memes come out of stuff like this almost immediately. I uh, haven't seen it around this morning. And this whole thing happened yesterday afternoon. So it's probably not going to catch fire. But don't be surprised if you hear a lot of uh, pawn to E4 today. You never know what's going to happen. Now, <clears throat> not to be outdone, the nation of China being pissed off as they are at Jack Mallers and uh, Jack Dorsey have decided to ban Bitcoin again. China's central bank says all cryptocurrency-related activities are illegal and vows a harsh crackdown. China's central bank, oh, this is, by the way, this is CNBC and it's written by Orion Brown. China's central bank renewed its tough talk on Bitcoin Friday, calling on digital currency or all currency, sorry, calling all digital currency activities illegal and vowing to crack down on the market. <laughs> In a Q&A posted to its website, the People's Bank of China said services offering trading was order matching, token issuance, and derivatives for virtual currencies are strictly prohibited. <laughs> yeah, right. Mm -hmm. uh, -huh. uh Let's see. <laughs> uh, God, overseas crypto exchanges providing uh, services in mainland China are now also illegal, the PBOC said. Quote, overseas virtual currency exchanges that use the internet to offer services to dom domestic residents is also considered illegal financial activity, the PBOC said. According to a CNBC translation of the comments, workers of foreign crypto exchanges will be investigated. Holy shit, they're going to pull a United States and start saying, hey, if you did business, if you're overseas and you did business with a Chinese citizen, we're going to come after you. America and China want their people poor. Okay, remember that. Remember that. We're, we are now looking for nations that do not want to enslave their people, that they do want them to be prosperous, and that they do not want to stand on them. Out of 170 to 180 fucking countries in the world, you'd think one of them, just one of them, would do such a thing. If you know the name of that country, DM me. My DMs are open. The PBOC said it has also improved its system to step up monitoring of crypto-related transactions and root out speculative investing. Quote, financial institutions and non-bank payment institutions cannot offer services to, or, to activities and operations related to virtual currencies, the bank said, reiterating past comments. The price of Bitcoin sank 4% in a 24-hour period, last trading at around 42378 according to Coinmetrics. Ethereum, the second largest digital asset, fell over 8% to $2,868. It's not the first time China has gotten tough on cryptocurrencies. Yeah, no shit, CNBC. Earlier this year, Beijing announced a crackdown on crypto mining. Yeah, you already know all the rest of it. China FUD. I thought it was done. I really did. But, you know, 
this space has surprised me for the last, you know, since 2015, you know, why stop now? But moving on, because nobody gives a shit. Well, okay, enough people gave a shit about China Fund to tank the price 2000 or whatever, 2%. Um, I don't give a fuck anymore. Why? Because Bitcoin Lightning Network channel capacity hits another all-time high from Bitcoin Magazine's <coughs> Dylan LeClaire, LeClaire. Public channel capacity on the Bitcoin Lightning Network continues to explode with channel capacity hitting yet another all-time high of 2,738 BTC yesterday. The Lightning Network is a Layer 2 scaling solution built on top of the Bitcoin base layer, which allows two peers to open up a channel between each other and defer final settlement into the future. The Lightning Network white paper, first released back in January 2016 as a proof-of-concept idea, as the Bitcoin base layer has a limited throughput, which was and still is needed to keep the network sufficiently decentralized. Although the network functions using payment channels open between two peers, Public channels and node interconnectivity allow for payment routing through other Lightning nodes on the network. Who can selectively choose what fees are charged and whom on the network they are connected to? The Lightning network also allows for private channels between peers, but this balance is not visible. In the last three months, the Lightning Network has witnessed spectacular growth, most likely in part to El Salvador adopting Bitcoin as legal tender, with the Lightning Network playing a major role in the onboarding process. On average, over the last three months, public channel capacity on the network has grown by 12.5 BTC per day. Similarly to the Bitcoin base layer, the best scaling solution for the Lightning Network is Bitcoin's underlying number go up technology. As additional people, institutions, and nation states chose to adopt the Bitcoin monetary network, the fixed supply of the asset means that the underlying BTC USD trading pair exchange rate must appreciate, which itself scales the capacity of the network. Not only is public channel capacity going parabolic, but the exponential appreciation of the price of Bitcoin since Lightning first began to enter mass beta testing in early 2018 has meant that the dollar-denominated channel capacity of the network has exploded. As the security model of the Bitcoin network continues to transition programmatically to an entirely fee-based model, it is probable that fees will rise substantially as demand for block space continues to increase as Bitcoin adoption increases, Below is the ratio of minor revenue derived from new supply insurance or issuance versus transaction fees over time. This trend is very important for the adoption of the Lightning Network. It is likely true that on the other side of hyper-Bitcoinization, most people will not transact across the Bitcoin-based layer, but rather across Layer 2 solutions like Lightning. Yeah, buddy, that's what I'm talking about. Nobody gives a shit. I mean, well, apparently, like I said, apparently uh, some people give a shit about China FUD. I just don't. I'm There's just too much good shit going on for me to worry about what the fuck a, a whole bunch of communists think about something that's going to, you know, provide freedom. Of course they hate Bitcoin. They're always going to hate Bitcoin. What what did you think was going to happen? All right. But what does surprise me is that we're still reacting to China news. Guys, it's one-sixth of the world's population. Yeah, I know that's big, but there's five-sixths out there. I, just because you don't get the whole pie doesn't mean that you just got to sit around and cry about it, okay? Just, dude, there, if, the, if the entirety of the West 
which is, you know, Canada, United, let's say Canada, United States, Australia, New Zealand, all of Western Europe, most of Eastern Europe, that's sort of the West, okay? Let's say they, they and China and India, let's say the West, China and India ban it. We still have half of the world's population that's waiting to actually do something with their lives. I just don't understand the reaction to China FUD anymore. Who cares? Stop it. <clears throat> now, also with this lightning news, um, not only, you know, the fact that remittances are, are a thing of the past for something like Western Union. Um, oh, by the way, there's going to be a lot of properties uh, up for rent. So if you're a Bitcoin miner and looking a place to plug in with either retail or commercial zoning, look no further. Western Union, I think, is going to be vacating quite a few offices. But be that as it may, with this news, the fact that the Lightning Network is just God slamming. Um, I reiterate my call to action to find Lightning Node operators in Venezuela, <clears throat> Venezuela, not Ven God, well, Venezuela too, but El Salvador, and start opening channels with them. Start doing it today. Please, somebody, build a Telegram group of El Salvadoran. Uh, lightning node operators that are willing to start connecting with us up here in the United States and Canada and, and Western Europe so that we can start building a, a like a basically a hub of lightning activity in the center of Central America and hope hopefully it just kind of expands from there and once your connections are solid then you and your lightning channel will just basically have to sit around and get bigger basically as the web of lightning network traffic grows in the Central American region due to all these people. And if we can just provide liquidity from our side, I think that that would help, but I don't know any El Salvadorans. If you are somebody who knows somebody or a group of people in El Salvador, or if anybody that knows somebody at Bitcoin Beach is listening to this, please, 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 for the love of fucking God, Go out and and help me find some El Salvadoran Lightning Node operators to to ask if they want to open up a channel with me. I want to open up a channel with them. I just don't know anybody. Moving on, let's see what this one has to say. Oh, Evergrande EV unit has ceased paying its employees and factory suppliers. You know why I hate shit like this? Because what I'm looking at is at Financial Juice breaking market news. All it is is a sentence. There's there's no news story behind it. There's no nothing, right? I can't, I, I tried to get Greg Zaj to verify it for me and he came back with a meme. I tried to get other people to verify it for me and they basically just retweeted my own tweet saying, here's proof. Guys, is it true that Evergrande EV is not paying its employees and factory suppliers? Uh, factory suppliers, I, I get, but not paying its employees, that's a whole different ball of wax. So if somebody can confirm that shit, because I haven't actually been able to find it. Of course, I haven't looked this morning and this came out yesterday, so maybe it's all my fault, but fuck it. Acting OCC head warns that fool's gold in DeFi reminds him of the lead up to the great financial crisis from Samuel Haig and Cointelegraph. Acting head of the U.S. Office of the Comptroller of the Currency, Michael Sue, 
has warned that the exotic financial products developed in some quarters of crypto and DeFi were reminiscent of those that precipitated the 2008 global financial crisis. You see what he's doing here? <laughs> uh, speaking before the Blockchain Association on September the 21st, Sue warned that innovation for innovation's sake risks creating a mountain of fool's gold, drawing analogies between the rapid proliferation of digital asset derivatives and the explosion of mortgage and debt derivatives, such as credit default swaps that preceded the 2008 global financial crisis. Quote, I have seen one fool's gold rush from up close in the lead up to the 2008 financial crisis. It feels like we may be on the cusp of another with cryptocurrencies and decentralized finance. Crypto slash DeFi today is on a path that looks similar to CDSs in the early 2000s. Now, <clears throat> let's, let's be very clear here. These instruments were not designed 10 years before the collapse in 2008. This shit was designed back in the fucking 80s. All right? It took, it took what, 28 years. Okay, well, let, let's be conservative. It took 20 years for this shit to actually hit the fan from these CDSs and, and mortgage-backed securities and all that kind of shit. All this stuff was being done back in the day. It's, it wasn't just invented right be, like the day before the, the collapse. Come on, guys, stop doing that shit. However, the man's not wrong. DeFi is going to get a lot of people into trouble. It's not going to elicit a global financial crisis, though. Come on. That's a little bit of hyperbole. However, I wouldn't touch DeFi in any of its instances right now with a 10-foot pole if it was fucking on fire. I'm not going to do it. Why? Because it doesn't produce anything. There is no utility except yield. And that and yield is not a utility in and of itself. It's not. I know you think it is, but it's not. Finance is used to build something that you don't have the money for. So you finance it. If you can do that in a decentralized manner, then I'm all for it. But that's not what DeFi is right now, is it? You buy a token so that you can create yields on other tokens and then trade this fruit with that fish. And somehow or another, you get rich without getting the rug pull. Somehow. I'm telling you, this man, this Michael Sue, we may not like him, but he's definitely right about this shit. Sue notes that it was nearly impossible to hedge the risk of a borrower defaulting prior to the creation of CDS in the mid-1990s. However, by the time he joined the SEC in 2004, the acting OCC had recounted that credit derivatives promised investors higher risk-adjusted returns using innovative products that relied heavily on math and financial engineering. Yeah, no shit. Quote, they believed they were leading <clears throat> a financial revolution creating an entirely different asset class using an entirely different set of models. Sound familiar? Today, programmers and coders, instead of quants and financial engineers, are the core innovators, end quote. <clears throat> Sue asserts that by the time the crisis unfolded, the original mission of CDSs to create an instrument that could improve risk management and thus lower the cost of credit had been turned onto itself cloaked in impenetrable math and jargon and supercharged with yield and fees to ensure growth, end quote. Drawing parallels between exotic DeFi derivatives 
and the systemic risk that underpinned the collapse of the U.S. housing market in 2008, Sue noted that most innovation seems focused on enhancing trading in crypto today rather than realizing the vision for greater financial autonomy articulated by Satoshi Nakamoto in the Bitcoin white paper. Sue cites several risks that could destabilize the crypto sector, including a run on the large stable coin forks, hacks, rug pulls, vampire attacks, and flash loans. While acknowledging that crypto so far has withstood all of the aforementioned incidents thus far, Sue warns that such threats could loom larger as the cryptocurrency user base grows. Quote, My hypothesis is that until recently, most users have been hardcore believers in this technology and thus are both understanding of the risks and willing to forgive them. As the scope and reach of crypto DeFi expands, uh, more mainstream users with regular expectations of safe and sound money will dominate and drive reactions, end quote. No shit, dude. Ultimately, Sue's outlook for crypto isn't entirely bleak, <clears throat> with the official concluding that if the industry applies the lessons from the 2008 crisis, yeah, like y'all did, anchor innovation in clear purpose, foster an environment for skeptics to speak up and follow the money, the risk of fool's gold can be mitigated and the real promise of blockchain innovation can be achieved. However, the days Sue's tenures, uh, tenure heading the OCC appeared number with the Biden administration reportedly moving to nominate law professor Saul Amarov to lead the institution. If nominated, analysts believe Amarov will oversee a tightening of regulations overseeing both the crypto and mainstream financial industries. Amarova, oh, so Amarova, uh, previously described digital assets as a tool for private interests that abuse or to abuse that are outside the regulatory purview. Yeah, 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 yeah. We know, we know. Uh, Sue's not wrong. <clears throat> Sorry, if you're a DeFi fan, uh, I don't know why you're listening to this show because I think DeFi is a pile of crap. It, it is not decentralized finance. It's decentralized yield farming. And honestly, it's not even decentralized. It's basically centralized yield farming until rug pull. And I don't know what kind of moniker that that would garner, but it probably wouldn't look very good. So therefore, unmarketable. Hey, let's run the numbers. CNBC Futures and Commodities. Uh, we have oil is uh, <clears throat> doing, apparently yesterday had one hell of a day b between shows here. Uh, West Texas Intermediate, $73.10. And that's after a futures price of being down a quarter of a point. Brent North Sea is down 0.12%, and it's coming in at $77.15. And here we go with natural gas kicking ass, $2 or 2.5% to the upside all the way up to $5.10 per uh, thousand cubic feet. Gasoline also rallied yesterday, but is down this morning. 0.63% to the downside in the futures market takes it to $2.15 a gallon. Gold is up 0.2% to $1,753 and change. Silver is down a half a point. Platinum is down two points. Copper is down scant. Uh, palladium also down scant. All the agricultural futures except coffee are down, but you know anywhere between a third of a point and two thirds of a point. Uh, index futures are all down. Let's see, Dow futures down a third, 
S&P futures down almost a half. NASDAQ futures down a bit over a half. And S&P mini is down under one half of a percentage point. Let's talk about real money at 41240 bucks. Thank you, China. 2072, uh, just, sorry, 272,800 transactions in the last 24 hours is just shy of 12,000 transactions on average per hour with 1.05 million BTC being sent around the horn in the last 24 hours. That's 43,800 BTC being sent every hour on the hour with an average transaction value of 3.85 BTC and a median transaction value of 0.017 BTC or 686 bucks. Block times are seriously low. Again, nine minutes, 17 seconds with 0.09 BTC being taken in fees on a per block basis and damn near 15 BTC taken in fees overall in the last 24 hours with a hash rate increase of 21.55%, according to bitinfocharts.com, we are back up to 152.5 exahashes per second. Your shitcoin indicator is now below 20 cents. If you're that asshole that got me banned off of Twitter for 24 hours because I sent you the meme of the dude shooting the dude in the chair because you're an idiot doge queen, yeah, fuck you. I hope you, when you bought it 27 cents, I hope you're feeling it now, you slimy bag of crap. I ju- I'm not going to shed a single tear. I sold all my doge at 45 cents. I bought it. I don't even remember. It was sub one penny. <laughs> That's why this space is stupid. Because you can just get lucky rich. You know how many people in this space are lucky rich? That have, it's not that they don't have any business being rich. I don't want to say who can and who can't be rich, but I would much rather if some rather if somebody that had ethics and morality and some kind of, you know, notion of, of taking humanity into the future be rich than some idiot who's sitting in a coffee shop paying $10 for Starbucks, getting accidentally rich on some shit coin like Doge. Just saying, man, just saying. Uh, let's see. Clark Moody's dashboard is showing 1,600 transactions waiting on six blocks to clear. We have $778.5 billion of market capitalization, which is 6.77% of gold's total market cap. And if you wish, you may pick up 23.5 ounces of shiny metal rock with your, with your one Bitcoin, of which there are 18 million, 824,779 BTC in circulation at this time. 2,856 and a half of those are in the damn Lightning Network at a capacity value of 1,100, oh, sorry, <clears throat> capacity value of 118.1 million. That's being run over 15,552 nodes with 72,443 payment channels open. 72.2% of all that shit's being run over Tor. So that means 2,062.67 BTC are in the Tor side of the Lightning Network being contained and maintained by 10,134 Tor nodes that we know about. And that's going to do it for Vitals. Welcome to part two of the news that you can use. Kentucky files emergency cease and desist order against crypto lender Celsius. So not to be outdone by Texas and New Jersey. Apparently Kentucky has to, you know, 
do it too. Why? Because Celsius is based in Kentucky and I'll be, you know, they'll be damned if they're not going to get in and, and look like they were, you know, <laughs> complicit or whatever. So Liam Frost tells us more about it from Decrypt. The Kentucky Department of Financial Institutions has filed an emergency cease and desist order against cryptocurrency lending company Celsius Network, barring the firm from soliciting or selling its earn interest accounts or EIAs in the state. Celsius Network offers its clients to deposit their cryptocurrencies, which can then be loaned out to institutions to earn returns of up to 17%. <laughs> Quote, get paid new coins every week and borrow cash at 1%. Buy coins, earn yield, borrow and transfer with no fees, the firm's website touts. Sounds like a Ponzi to me. According to Kentucky's regulator, however, the company's, the company's interest accounts are actually securities that are allegedly being sold without proper registration. Quote, the department has become aware that the company is offering securities in the form of investment contracts in exchange for the deposit of assets with the company. These investment contracts allow passive investors to earn profit in the form of interest on the assets deposited with the company and qualify as securities under the act. Kentucky's regulator argued. According to the order, 1,607 EIAs have been opened for 1,571 Kentucky investors in the past three years and four months. In total, residents of the state have deposited roughly $17.6 million worth of various cryptocurrencies to Celsius, while the company has paid them just over $453,000 over the same period. That doesn't sound like 17% to me. As part of its reasoning, the regulator pointed out that all securities, which Celsius's EIAs allegedly are, must be registered as such. Quote, a review of the department's records revealed that neither Celsius nor the EIAs offered on its website are registered with the department as required under the act. Additionally, neither Celsius nor these EIAs appear to be entitled to any exemption from registration under the act, the order stated. Additionally, the department pointed out that Celsius's EIAs are not protected by the Securities Investors Protection Corporation, or SIPC, nor insured by the Federal Deposit Insurance Co Corporation, FDIC, or the National Credit Union Administration, NICUA. As a result, Celsius investors are subject to additional risk compared to investors who maintain assets with most SIPC member broker dealers, banks and savings associations or credit unions, the regulator explained. Decrypt reached out for additional comments to Celsius's network CEO, Alex Mashinsky, but did not receive a reply by press time. <clears throat> with the addition of Kentucky, a total of four, oh wow, four U.S. states have already taken similar actions against Celsius. Last week, New Jersey Bureau of Securities filed a cease and desist against the company to stop offering its high interest accounts in its state. On the same day, Texas State Securities Board ordered the firm to appear for an administrative hearing in February, and on September the 16th, Alabama's Securities Commission also filed its own cease and desist order against Celsius on the very same grounds. So it looks like Celsius is going to go by. They're not going to survive this shit. I mean, but just New Jersey and Texas by themselves was enough to, you know, destroy one of the great, you know, largest crypto Ponzi schemes uh, that came up. So uh, Celsius, if you were a Celsius customer, I would go ahead and punch out if you can. See, that's the whole problem is now is everything going to be frozen? Stop chasing yield. Buy Bitcoin. Stack sats. Stay humble. Open a channel in, on Lightning Network to El Salvador.
Call to action there, guys. Chaotic Time Magazine NFT launch sends gas fees spiraling. Coindesk Will Gottenson. Yesterday afternoon, Time Magazine announced a new collection of non-fungible tokens offering unlimited access to its website through 2023. Dubbed Timepieces, the collection consists of 4,676 tokens tied to digital artworks, each priced at 0.1 ETH or around 310 bucks. When the sale opened to the public earlier today, all 4,676 were gone within minutes. But, excuse me, the sale also clogged the Ethereum blockchain, sending fees to astronomical highs. Buyers spent almost four times as much on transaction fees as they did on the NFTs themselves. (laughs) According to a data tracker from an analyst called Banterlytics, one address paid $70,000 for 10 of Time's NFTs. The plan for the launch was simple enough. The NFTs would go on sale at a set time and prospective buyers would need to have their finger on the trigger. Even outside of crypto, this is a broken system. High profile sales for concert tickets and sneaker drops are already dominated by automated bots that can snap up an entire supply in seconds. The high rollers behind the bots can take advantage by charging unreasonable prices for assets on the secondary market called scalping. That's what happened here too. According to the Blockchain Explorer Etherscan, the 100 addresses with the most NFTs now own around 24% of the total supply. The Ethereum blockchain compounds the problem with something called a priority fee. These are additional fees users can pay to incentivize miners to accept their transactions first before other users who haven't put up as much cash. When too many people try to use the network at once, it creates a bottleneck. Oh, you think? Users who can afford to pay those exorbitant fees can effectively cut into line. A caveat is that because the NFTs and Times collections all just point to the red Time logo rather than a digital artwork, buyers still don't know what they've actually bought. Time president Keith Grossman said that the individual works attached to the NFTs would be revealed today at 6 p.m. Eastern Time. Users will have to use the refresh metadata button on the digital marketplace OpenSea to find out what they own. My God. (laughs) This is fucking ridiculous. Grossman has become increasingly embedded in crypto over the past year. Time began accepting crypto payments for subscriptions this past spring and released a set of digital magazine covers as NFTs. Time also has Bitcoin on its balance sheet thanks to a deal with the crypto investment firm Grayscale. Grossman told Coindesk that today's high fees and inequitable distribution of NFTs were not ideal. Really. I think we learned a lot about gas in general, he said. There are things that you can't control for in the gas space, end quote. Grossman explained that his decision to cap the number of NFTs per address was part of an effort to deter bots. At publication time, the lowest listed price for a timepiece was hovering around three Ethereum or $9,500. Grossman maintained that he was proud of today's launch in spite of the chaos. Quote, we're going to make sure that the next time we do this, everything that we have seen that went wrong or that didn't go as we planned is fixed. Bullshit. You cannot plan anything like this when you're dealing with something as complex and convoluted as the Ethereum ecosystem. It's ridiculous to think that you're going to be able to figure out what's going to happen next time. You have no clue what the hell's going to happen next time. Will they have been, will they have moved to proof of stake? Probably never. 
You know, will gas prices have, have, have bottomed out to the point that somebody will activate a bot that will scoop everything up and because that bot is actually activating other bots so that it doesn't matter how many NFTs you cap to a certain, you know, to a certain purchase. There is nothing you can control for in this fucking space right now. And people that don't get it, that are presidents of like, you know, or, or chief executives of something like as large as a, as a company as Time Magazine, when they don't get it, it scares the piss out of me. And it reminds me of the interview that Jack Mallers did yesterday. And one of the guys asked him something about, you keep using the term instant global cash finality. And that sounds like words in, in like an art museum. And that's fine. And I'm like, you literally, you're CNBC. You've been talking as a talking head for a, like over a decade and people listen to you and you don't know what instant global cash finality means. <clears throat> you literally can't pull that apart as being able to understand that that means I send somebody 10 bucks to El Salvador and they get it basically in cash and it's a final settlement. You don't understand that. Just like this idiot doesn't understand that he can't control for anything that has anything to do with Ethereum. And that should scare the living piss out of you because if these two gentlemen have no fucking clue what the hell's going on, think about Biden and his administration, Trump and his administration, Gensler. Gensler actually has probably the better chance of understanding some of this shit, but honestly, just think about all the people that we were taught to listen to and to trust and understand that they don't know a damn thing, all right? We've got to think for ourselves. The only people that can think our, ways, think our way out of this situation is ourselves. So moving on, uh, I don't want to do that one. Uh, let's see. Oh, Bitcoin Magazine opens bureau in Ukraine. Ukraine apparently exploding, but let's see if Bitcoin Magazine's uh, Nick Hoffman has more on that. Uh, this, <clears throat> I'm sorry, excuse me. Bitcoin Magazine is proud to and excited to announce that we will be establishing a news bureau in Kiev, Ukraine, as part of our ongoing efforts to expand reporting on Bitcoin adoption in Eastern Europe. See, I told you. <clears throat> and the greater CIS region. We will be opening the new office with a strategic partner that will be announced next month. This international expansion comes shortly after Ukraine recently approved a bill that made Bitcoin legal within its jurisdictions. Bitcoin Magazine has formed very strong relationships with some of those who were behind this new bill, as well as many other highly influential figures in the country. The popularity of Bitcoin amongst the whole country also cannot be underestimated, as Ukraine is home to the fourth largest population of Bitcoin users in the world, according to Chain Analysis. Quote, at Bitcoin Magazine, we've always been focused on reporting from where the real news is happening, using local experts to break stories of global magnitude and to provide thorough insight that you simply can't get when you're reporting from outside of a country, said David Bailey, CEO of Bitcoin Magazine. <clears throat> While the world's economists are fixated on superpowers like China and the United States, the future of money is being decided in places like El Salvador and Ukraine. Thank you very much. Bailey added some additional context on the decision of launching in this country. Kiev is the perfect launch pad for our regional efforts. Ukraine is fast turning from a regional to a global leader in Bitcoin, and we look forward to playing 
a leading role in providing first-class reporting and analysis of the latest developments in these exciting markets, end quote. The team making up the Bureau will feature a group of the most talented Bitcoin journalists in the region who will be producing top quality written video and podcast content in Ukrainian, Russian, and Kazakh. In Bitcoin, out rather, at Bitcoin Magazine, we know how important it is to expand into new markets to help educate anyone who is interested in this groundbreaking technology. We believe that Bitcoin is the most important topic going on in the world today. So educating new audiences on the importance of adopting a Bitcoin standard helps the world march further towards hyper-Bitcoinization. Mike Germano, publisher of Bitcoin Magazine, Magazine, Bitcoin Magazine, commented on today's news, quote, our goal is for Bitcoin Magazine to be the most trusted and important media outlet for anyone interested in Bitcoin to achieve this. We are hiring the best reporters, storytellers, videographers, and producers globally who are members of the community and have firsthand experience on how Bitcoin can change the world, end quote. The new Ukrainian website is planned for launch in November 2021, and Bitcoin Magazine is looking to hire regional professionals who are enthusiastic about Bitcoin and the financial freedom it provides before the launch. So if you are Ukrainian, all right, or if you're in that region and you want a job with Bitcoin Magazine, email Ukraine at BitcoinMagazine.com. That is Ukraine at BitcoinMagazine.com. Can you hear my rooster crowing in the background? I keep saying that his days are numbered, but I just can't bring the ax down on it. Mm, but we maybe we'll be able to bring the ax down on ESG. Uh, Coindesk and uh, Isaiah Douglas has this one. <clears throat> How Bitcoin is more ESG friendly than you've heard. Hmm. Uh, the idea of environmental, social, and governance standards in theory is beautiful, but those standards can quickly run into obstacles when growth is demanded. Furthermore, ESG efforts are sometimes complicated by greenwashing, where a company presents itself to the public as being more eco-friendly than it actually is. And if you examine the largest ESG-mandated exchange-traded funds, for example, it may not be long before you see a company listed that violates one of the fund's ESG criteria. Clients with an ESG mandate may point to various companies that don't fit their goals, get frustrated, and vent to you. How can we break that cycle? If you guessed Bitcoin, congratulations. In my view, Bitcoin is one of the most ESG-friendly options for clients to bring about a better world in the future. And I'll explain by going through each pillar of ESG, addressing common concerns about Bitcoin and highlighting how Bitcoin aligns with ESG principles. The, e the environmental in ESG. <clears throat> you have likely read or heard in passing how Bitcoin networks uses more energy than small countries and how it's harmful to the environment. The narrative is inaccurate. First, energy consumption is not evil in and of itself, and humans' increasing energy consumption has helped improve the quality of life for the last 100 years. The goal of energy consumption is not to be wasteful, but rather to use sources that are clean or renewable. According to the Bitcoin Mining Council's Q2 2021 Global Review, 56% of energy used to power the Bitcoin network is renewable. Bitcoin mining companies do have a financial incentive to lower their energy cost and be sustainable. In a memo in April, ARK funds led by Kathy Wood and Square Crypto led by Steve Lee elaborated on research into how the Bitcoin network will lead to the growth of renewable energies. 
they made the case that Bitcoin will likely do more than any government subsidy or program to grow renewables. The mission of one U.S.-based company, Great American Mining, is to work within the oil and gas industry, helping producers that flare gas from oil wells to mine Bitcoin and lower carbon emissions. That allows various energy companies to add revenue while improving their carbon footprint. Without tapping into that wasted energy, more emissions are unavoidable. And suppose you look at the total energy used for Bitcoin's network compared to the total energy consumed worldwide, and in that case, it is less than one-tenth of 1%, as Lynn Alden, a global macroeconomic strategist, noted in a recent piece. Alden explained that Christmas lights and dryers are using more energy per year than Bitcoin, but I have yet to hear calls for energy to stop being consumed for those uses. We really have to stop big Christmas light, guys. I mean, honestly, big Christmas light and big dryer, oh, they, they're, they're evil. Lastly, a question that should be asked is, how much more environmentally friendly is Bitcoin from the traditional system? In a piece in Bitcoin Magazine in May, former engineer and Bitcoin mining expert Haas McCook noted that Bitcoin mining emits less than 5% of the legacy financial sector's carbon emissions. In context, energy consumption should not be as great of an issue for Bitcoin as it is often depicted. The facts don't follow the mainstream narrative. On September the 7th, El Salvador officially rolled out Bitcoin as legal tender and provided 30 bucks worth of Bitcoin to each of its citizens. Large legacy financial institutions like the International Monetary Fund and the World Bank criticized the move as rash and irresponsible. By the way, this is under the social part of ESG. Some 70% some of El Salvadoran citizens are unbanked, according to President Bukele, and yet most have a phone. Accordingly, they can use a mobile Bitcoin wallet and are now plugged into a worldwide monetary system. Because the supply of Bitcoin is capped at 21 million, foreign leaders cannot make decisions that affect the savings of Salvadorans. Bitcoin holders rely on a decentralized network and code to secure their wealth. Bitcoin and the Layer 2 Lightning Network allow for global citizens from El Salvador to many countries in Africa the opportunity to secure long-term wealth protected from inflation, with Bitcoin also being a means of payment via Lightning payments that settles almost instantaneously. Many people in lower income rungs can't save into 401ks and investment brokerage accounts. If they keep their earnings into a Bitcoin wallet versus a traditional bank account, they'll see their savings grow instead of dwindling in purchasing power. If adopted more widely as a global currency, Bitcoin has the potential to do more for social justice than any government program or stimulus check. It would allow people to regain financial freedom, work, save and live within their means and pass down wealth from generation to generation. Now the G in governance, rules without rulers. What is fairer than that? S&P Global defines the G in ESG as the governance factors of decision-making from sovereigns policy-making to the distribution of rights and responsibilities among different participants and corporations, including board of directors, managers, shareholders, and stakeholders. Bitcoin has no decision makers. Bitcoin is for all, and whether you have 0.00001 BTC or 10,000 BTC, the rules are the same, and you have the same benefits. There is no insider information. Bitcoin is open source for all to review and see. The power and gravity of that are critical. Bitcoin does not discriminate by faith, sex, creed, gender, or anything. And the network is fiercely defended by those who value freedom, hence the term freedom money, which I prefer over magic internet money. 
Because it removes the leaders from the equation, the ability to discriminate against others cannot happen with Bitcoin. If you have a mobile phone and Wi-Fi or a satellite connection, you can plug into one of the most incredible and fair monetary systems ever created. Though ESG, or though ESG has had its critics, you would be hard-pressed to find someone who is against what ESG tries to stand for. Fairness, inclusion, and transparency. <laughs> I don't know. I can find a fair few that call bullshit, but whatever. Bitcoin is not, not only accomplishes everything that the ESG movement wants, but it also takes it one step further, offering an ideal model for companies and individuals. Bitcoin holds the promise of helping usher in sweeping changes over the next decade and beyond. And to help your clients get involved, it's as easy as holding Bitcoin. And that's the end of that. But I'll say this about ESG. It may be a complete clown world, bullshit, dumpster fire show of, of epic proportions. But I'll tell you this. It's not going to go away anytime soon. It's just like NFTs or like the non-utility NFTs, as I like to call them. It's not going away like ICOs and it's not going away like altcoins. It's not going to go away. So the only thing that we can do is figure out a way to turn it on its head and use it for our own ends. And what are our own ends? Hyper-Bitcoinization. Kazakhstan, let's get into it. Kazakhstan might have to shut down Bitcoin mining operations and here's why by Prescient Ja from Coingape.com. The Central American nation that became a Bitcoin mining hub in the wake of the Chinese crypto crackdown and miner exodus might have to shut BTC mining operations temporarily. The country is facing an electricity crunch that intensifies in winter, and the government might have to impose restrictions on Bitcoin mining to ensure ample Kazakhstan. Wait, wait. Oh, sorry. Ample electricity to its people. Kazakhstan's share of Bitcoin mining rose sixfold in April this year as new anti-crypto policies in China forced the significant sections of large Bitcoin miners to relocate to compliant nations with abundant clean energy supply. The Central American nation ranked what? No, no, Central Asian nation, not Central American. Guys, Kazakhstan is not in Central America, okay? The Central Asian nation ranked third in terms of Bitcoin mining share after the USA and China. China had the biggest Bitcoin mining share with over 75% market dominance, but that fell sharply post-April, and many believe a majority of the miners have already relocated to other nations. The Bitcoin network's hash power nosedived by half post-Chinese exodus, and it has returned to pre-Chinese crackdown levels now, suggesting the majority of miners have already plugged their shit back in. That's me, sorry. <laughs> the electricity crisis in states with legal Bitcoin mining operations has become a norm as Iran faced a similar crisis in the first quarter of 2021. The Iranian government has legalized BTC mining in the country as a way to help, <clears throat> sorry, excuse me, as a way, uh, I, got, I got distracted. Hey, this shit happens, okay? As a way to help. <laughs> but the government soon realized that illegal miners were exploiting limited energy resources, leading to several blackouts in the state. As a result, the government announced a temporary ban on Bitcoin mining until September 22, or the 22nd, to ensure that there is ample electricity throughout the harsh summer. Similarly, Kazakhstan might have to impose some sort of temporary BTC mining ban in the state to ensure continuous electricity supply during the harsh winters. So be on the lookout for uh, news out of Kazakhstan and let's see what happens there. 
Uh, Binance deplatforms Russian OTC firm Suex that was sanctioned by the U.S. So Binance basically just, you know, I don't know, they're kowtowing to you, whatever the United States wants wants to do, presumably in so that they get, I don't know, preferential treatment or something like that. But I'm not going to read that one. I will just like before we end this off, I'm going to say that Bankman Freed says that FTX no longer calls Hong Kong home. And here's why. Now, this one's out of Blockworks. But again, we're getting late into the show and I'm not going to read it, but the FTX guys are basically bailing out of Hong Kong. Gee, can you imagine why? Now you can hate FTX all you want or you can love them all you want. I don't actually particularly care because I don't really necessarily need trading platforms often. Uh, I, the last time I used one was to sell all my shit coins that I had just were too lazy to touch. Um, I don't give a shit about F FTX and I, I don't care if you use them, whatever. It, it doesn't matter to me. What's, what's critical to note though, is that FTX is huge. FTX is steamrolling in, in the crypto world. I've got it all in quotes and they are making waves in the space and they're bailing out of Hong Kong again. Do you have to ask yourself why that's going to do it for the morning roundup? Dad says jokes to finish you off on this Friday. This is one of my favorite ones that I've seen. Where do bad rainbows go? Prism, but it's a light sentence. All right. To all my Patreon followers, uh, thank you. I got another one this morning, apparently. Uh, that makes five, as far as I can tell. So ever onwards. I know if you hate Patreon, don't, don't hate me, man. I'm just, I'm just trying, I'm, I'm trying to make this my entire life and I got to do that with it through multiple paths, you know, paths. So it's hard. I mean, I don't like Patreon, but, uh, I had to do it because some people were saying, look, if you would just make a Patreon, it would be a lot easier for me to get rid of some of my filthy ass fiat. And I'm like, okay, I'll do it. Also, massive thanks to a couple of people, and I'm not going to dox you, all right? You know who you are, but I had a couple of fairly large donations to the show through various means, like, you know, tipping me, uh, flashed a QR code at a guy. You guys know who you are. I did receive your support for the show, Bitcoin, and I really thank you. Um, it, you know, that's, these are not, these, these were not insubstantial, uh, uh, parcels of money. Okay. They weren't King's, King's ransoms. Like they didn't like, you know, throw a million dollars at me or something like that. Let's just say that they were substantial and they are most appreciated. And I can't thank you enough. I'll see you on the other side. Have a good weekend, y'all. This has been Bitcoin and, and I'm your host, David Bennett. I hope you enjoyed today's episode and hope to see you again real soon. Have a great day.